All right, Brady. Let's start from the beginning. All right. It's fun fiction. I don't remember how it goes. <laughs> it's fun fiction. Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly show about movies, media, and how the internet ruins it. I am your host, Scotty Moore, and you know, on the show, we've had famed podcasters, associates of mine, my beautiful girlfriend, and today, we just got Brady. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, Brady Tobias Cook, how are you? That's that's not my name. Star of uh, the famed WWE 2K17 series that went absolutely nowhere on oh, the I, on Yeah, I almost said I forgot about that, but no, that is permanently ingrained in my game as well at home. Wait, really? Oh yeah, I he I found him and I ruined his matches for oh. a, a long, long period of time just to get rid of some stress. Honestly, yeah, might as well. So, holy shit, we saw the best movie ever. Oh my god, everyone, take your people. <laughs> <laughs> just take all of your friends. Take and your people. people, go. Um, it's so good. Like uh, we like my favorite was as we got into the theater. Where I looked at you and I was like, people are saying this is one of the best Marvel movies of all time. And you looked upon me with shock. Oh, absolutely. Because Marvel's been putting out just gems all year round. And then people saying that the animated one is going to top all of the CGI and stuff they've already done just blew my mind. Well, not only that, it's not Disney Marvel. This is Fox Marvel, which is enough for you to be like... Oh no! This is technically Sony Marvel. Oh yeah, that's yeah. It's completely Sony. Like Sony put their whole team and I guess rented other people because this movie looked fantastic. Yes, like because oh this gosh. is the first ever. Because most of the time with an ex, uh, after credit scene, you're sitting there excited enough to take you through the credits, and we were bouncing, was, bouncing, and then I mean, went fuck this. A lot of people. Yeah, that's so many people. And then the babies. There were so many babies from it too. <laughs> a lot of spider babies that so yeah. many spider babies. Well, they breed in like billions, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we also discuss the friend we made along the way? Oh, absolutely. Uh, why didn't you uh, take a picture with him like I did? Like, oh. come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what it happened was me and Brady went to the local movie theater, which I always consider a mistake. Yeah, it's closer and cheaper. <laughs> yeah. And so we walk inside and fucking Spider-Man's just there. It's my, it's my homie Spider-Man, and he's in the costume from the game that they specifically made for it. And and apparently, uh, our buddy at the arcade said his backpack was designed in webbing. Like, he went all in on this. See, that was what I liked, was the fact that, like, pre-Spider-Man -home Homecoming, a Spider-Man with a backpack looks like lazy cosplay, but after it, it looks like perfect cosplay. Yeah, it's either perfect cosplay or just a hobo that found a suit in a can somewhere. Yeah. It's like, this is warm-ish on my nether regions. Is, does he rock a backpack in the game? Uh, He has backpacks throughout the entire city that he finds. And oh, okay. that's kind of like your little collectibles. He's like, oh, I remember when I fought Rhino, and here's a picture of Rhino, and stuff like that. Yeah, um... So I guess it should be said, we about to spoil the hell out of this movie. I'm so sorry. There are so many good twists, though. And they were, I, t I was talking to a friend on Facebook about it. They were spliced so perfectly apart. 
Exactly. It, it wasn't like three twists in a row at the end. It was like, well, let's uh, 20 minutes in. Here's a big twist. A few minutes later, here's a big twist. And it just kept you guessing because everyone thinks, you know, Superman or not Superman. Wow. Yep. You know, Spider-Man. Everyone thinks, you know, Superman, uh, Brady. No. But now he has webs. And can stick Super to- Spider-Man. No, but everyone thinks you know the story of Peter Parker, or in this case, Miles Morales, and then it's just, they just keep pulling the string, just like, oh, you thought you knew that? That's out. That's mm-hmm. new. Now, the one that the one that got me the most was actually Dr. Octopus. Oh, absolutely. Oh, me and you stood up and started <laughs> screaming in this almost, <laughs> I felt bad, almost empty movie theater. It really was. Just a father and two sons, like, four rows down, and they barely made it in time for it. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, but Dr. Octopus was the biggest shock, but I guess the big shock they were going for was Spider-Man fucking dies? Yeah, like, really freaking early. <laughs> Did you know, though? Did you know that that was not the Peter Parker who would teach him? I didn't, honestly, because whenever – well, technically, I think in one of the trailers, he's standing on in front of a grave, and then he's pulled away from what people guess by looking at the trailers as Peter Parker. Oh, did they? Yeah, it's in the, one of the trailers. He gets he gets webbed, and that's when that whole awkward thing happens. Oh, okay. So I guess it was a twist to people who had not seen that trailer. A.K.A. me, because I was thoroughly confused. Oh, but with me, the big twist, like, the reason why I was like, this this Spider-Man might die was when they took the mask off and he had blonde hair. Oh, and I, yeah. And I was like, he ain't supposed to have blonde hair. Well, this poor Aryan Spider-Man's about to get the boot. <laughs> I was like, this boy ain't supposed to have blonde hair. I've seen the trailer. He's supposed to have stubble and brown hair. He's supposed to look moderately homeless and out of shape. Let him, let him do his thing. Can I just say, though, he hit it out of the... Whoever played... It was Chris Pine, right? Chris Pine was the one that voiced Spider-Man, right? Chris Pine voiced dead Spider-Man. Oh, okay. So the other one has to be the guy from the League I can't think of the name of. He's also in the movie Tag. Oh, really? I can't think of his name, but me and, me and Lanning can pick that voice out pretty much anywhere. But yeah, no, he knocked it out of the park he as really Peter did. B. Parker. <laughs> uh, what was the other one I had? Oh, no, it's gone. What did you think about Fisk? Like, the, I personally, the the... I guess the look they went for Fisk. I've been watching a lot of Daredevil, or I was before they, you know, ruined it and canceled it. Netflix, but uh, I don't, I don't know. Are like, you talking about huge Lego block? Oh man, I loved Big Fat Fisk. Like he looks like I told you in the theater, he looked like he's about to turn around in a chair, and a tiny man and a cat's gonna be there. But yeah. no, that's just him walking around. His body looked like a chair. Well, that's I liked that for Fisk. It was a different look, and I thoroughly appreciated it by the end of the film. Well, it's a matter of, like, Fisk is usually depicted as, like, the huge overweight kingpin right. of a crime syndicate. And they're like, he won't be a good villain because he won't be able to fight Spider-Man because right. everyone's going to be like, look at this tub. Now it just look. what's the night? What's the dude from, uh... Despicable Me. He now like, he looks like Gru, yeah, but that, scary Gru. Gru with shoulders like mountains. Yeah, he was like William the Refrigerator Perry. He was <laughs> like, I'm, I am a fridge of a man, and I'm gonna kill the spider. I also liked how they did the early, like the comic book styling on a lot of it, like some of the dialogue. And... Yeah. Well, here's the thing that I noticed, and if this is gonna get into more later in the film, which can I just say? 
I mean, I guess I shouldn't have expected more from Spider-Ham, Penny Parker, and Spider-Man Noir, but they are kind of sparse in the film. Oh, yeah. Well, they wanted the three major ones to be there, and then uh, no one can afford uh, Nick Cage's voice for too long. That man is a billionaire, and when it comes to his voice being so iconic now. (laughs) Can I just say, Nick Cage has been on a tear of voicing superheroes in movies this year. Yeah, really? What was was the other one? He was Superman in Teen Titans Go! to the movies so he finally got to be superman and then he was spider-man noir noir which can i just say i thought spider-ham was gonna be my favorite of the spider-verse Well, of course he always should be it's spider-ham but no no fucking spider-man noir was my favorite comic relief character surprisingly enough i mean i could oh how him and the rubik's cube cracked me up pretty quickly yeah like none other I never thought seeing an old-timey Spider-Man solve a Rubik's Cube would get an emotional response out of me, but this movie made it happen. The entire movie just kept us, like, pumped and jacked. Like, I don't really know, like, how to describe it, but we were excited throughout the entire thing, verbally, mostly. Yeah. Well, that was the thing we were saying afterwards, because we were trying to figure out what was better, this or Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. And Homecoming had, like, lulls, and it had down moments. This movie did not give you a down moment. No. Like, I think I found the one possible down moment to go to the bathroom. Uh, I'm listening. I don't, I don't believe... I don't believe there ever is a down moment. I, it was because I remember it because it was when he was just like, let me guess this, this, this and this. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Good. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I need you to teach me, Peter, from alternate universe. And he's like, no, kid. And I went, oh, I know how this scene's going to play out. Go to the bathroom, come back. Okay, let me guess. He said, teach me. No, teach me. No, teach me. No. And then he just got him to teach him. It's like, kind of, but it was really funny how he did it. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty good how he did it, so I don't really care. But um, going back to the point I was going to make probably five five (laughs) topics ago, um, the animation is beautiful, but if you'll notice... Each alternate universe character had, like, different animation around them. Like, Penny Parker looked like she stepped out of an anime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then Noir looked like he was just hand-drawn in the early 60s. Well, not only that. Well, 30s. 30s, 30s. That was it, yeah. But, uh, you know, back then, the way they did comics was, like, reprinting them was, like, pointillism. So that's why on old comics you could see the big dots. Okay. Yeah. You could see that on Spider-Man Noir's body throughout the whole thing, which was really neat to me. And then Spider or Spider-Ham was just fucking Spider-Ham. It was, it was Looney Tunes. Yeah, it was fantastic. But Mulaney did a fantastic job voicing him. Also. I will say this: <clears throat> the Spider-Ham jokes. If you've seen the trailers for the film, you've seen the Spider-Ham jokes. You no, know, there is one, and it got me, and it's right at the end. Oh wait, which one was it? Oh, it's. Here, take this mallet. It'll fit in your pocket. It'll and fit he just, in your pocket. Oh, I, oh, I teared up. Like, no, no, Mr. Ham, please Spider come back. Mr. Ham, please. We need you. Did you see John Mulaney on, I think it was Jimmy Fallon, discussing the fact that when he was recording, he had no idea what he was filming? No, I haven't seen it. Um, It's a very, you need to look it up after this, but it comes down to, he didn't know until he got to the studio that day and they handed him the sides. And at one point they're like, just go crazy with it. And John Mulaney is in the studio just like, you motherfuckers, you pieces of shit. Get back here. And then finally John was like, and that's when I thought, what is this movie rated? And they go, 
PG. And I said, oh, so nothing I've used is going to be valuable. Take two. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed this, and it may just me be, be me going crazy, but did you notice some tributes to, like, the old spot, like, subtle tributes to the old Spider-Man films in The Last Battle? Oh, in The Last Battle, and early on, too, right? Well, yeah. Or, co- during a couple of the backstories. Well, there are, like, blatant references yeah. in the backstories, but, like, when it's showing all the different universes coming out, it was mm-hmm. kind of cool because, like, you had... Most of the most epic fight scenes from the Spider-Man movies coming mm-hmm. to life right there, and they're fighting on it, like the train. Yeah, and then the one that the one that made it click in my head though was when the Brooklyn Bridge comes. Yes, up, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, they yeah. fight on top of it, and mm-hmm. that's the Green Goblin scene from the very first Spider-Man. Yep, yep. Make your choice, Peter. Make your choice. Still, second one's the best out of that trilogy. We all know it. The world knows it. I don't know why. I just don't like that trilogy, because Spider-Man never beats a villain. He doesn't. But they end up killing themselves yeah, yeah, every you could argue single he time. Could, you could argue he beats Venom, maybe? But, like, yeah. Sa- Sandman's like, fuck it, I'm out. See ya. Um... He's just dust in the wind. Yeah, Doc Ock was like, uh, no, Peter, I'll destroy this thing. Bye! I'm the superhero now. And then Green Goblin is like, I will now kill myself so Spider-Man can't... Don't tell Harry. (laughs) Don't tell Harry. I'm a creepy-faced old man. But this this movie bypassed the first five easily. But the only thing was, like, like you said earlier... How does it compare to Homecoming? Like that, what that's what makes it so tough because they're neck and neck for me. But this was so beautifully done and directed. Like, there's no, I don't. It's know. hard to compare it because it is comparing Peter Parker and Miles Morales, who are two completely separate characters. Right. Because like Homecoming has the perfect Peter Parker energy. This movie has the perfect Miles Morales energy. But it also has Peter Parker's and Spade, by the way. Yes, <laughs> quite a few, might I say. Sometimes some people would say two to three to four times the amount of Peter Parker's you'll ever see. Also, can we just talk about the fact that like Spider Man has a massive rogues gallery and most movies oh, absolutely. most movies are pretty bad about oh no, there's no way we can't include all of them. Or if we will, we'll end up like Spider Man three or uh, the amazing Spider Man two. Uh no, this movie pretty much figured out how to have a lot of fucking villains, and oh, it absolutely. still worked. Yeah, every, like, anything they mentioned from the comics, they did it beautifully. In like, like I said, there's no, there's no way you can compare the two right now. It's, it's leaps and beyond. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh, shit, I may give the edge to Homecoming just because of the most intense scene I've ever felt. The only scene in movies to ever give me anxiety, which is the scene where... Peter goes over to pick up, uh, I can't remember who he takes to prom, but... Oh, the, I, I know you're talking about, I can't think of her name. But her dad is the vulture. Yeah, it's just, uh... And oh, the whole no. time I'm just sitting in the theater like, ah, <laughs> no. But I really enjoyed, in Spider-Verse, I enjoyed their takes on the villains. Like, Psycho Goblin was yeah. horrifying. Yeah, like, I've never... I used to like keep up with the comics pretty well, but I've never seen that form of it. But that was they did it so well, and it was just like, oh yeah, he's been like this the whole time. In yeah, this yeah. one, in this universe, this is him. And the thought of keeping a bunch of people as kingpins cronies was very good. So like, you still got to see the Scorpion, who right. 
was a different look than I had seen for the Scorpion in this film, but it's still something I really enjoyed. Yeah, I like the artistic uh, point that they went for. They even gave him the legs, which was strange to me, because right now I thought they were going to take a lot from the recent game, and he was just going to be a dude in a green suit that crawled around like Scorpion. They yeah, went all but, in. No, they were like, he's a John Scary Scorpion. He's got like Deal with it. spoopy legs. Spoopy legs. Spoopy legs. Uh, he was very good. Um, Doctor... Like we said earlier, the reveal of oh, Dr. Octopus. The major reveal of Doc Ock was, oh my gosh, I screamed. <laughs> oh no, we both screamed okay. and stood up until we yeah. had to be sat back down. We we got to stand up and clap twice. Yeah. And one which I recommend everyone do, of course, is where the Stan Lee cameo comes. And that's not, it's not a spoiler. Because you know. Because it's, it's a Marvel movie and it has to have it. But the credence that they gave to him was just perfect and it was oh no me and you did almost ball openly in the movie theater at the end because like instead of a mid-credits scene it's just a quote from stan lee Uh, and then just a thing underneath that says thank you so much it's just oh why are you doing i have a grown man watching this cartoon you can't do this well no the worst part for me is not only did they bring up stan they brought up uh steve ditko so like both of them it's just okay okay that's fine that's fine because it's that, mo- this. <laughs> it's that moment of like, I was prepped for Stan, and then, ah, shit, I forgot about Steve! Random uppercut, why? Uh, but back to villains. So sorry. Fisk, so, Fisk was good. Fisk was good. Uh, what's, not, what's his name? It's not the Predator. What's his the, name? Prowler. the Prowler. That was going to be my next one, because I knew who the Prowler was. Right, I didn't, like, but I, as soon as I, like, it, of course, being an adult watching a child's movie, it eventually just makes it very blunt that that's who that is oh you mean the scene where he walks into his own apartment uh-huh. and just walks around yeah, for a much. few pretty much. yeah pretty much which i guess the scene was meant to be like oh he's going he, he's, he's seeing, hunting peter yeah he's or not peter uh, miles he sees miles he's coming after miles no that's not what it is he's just ready to relax and watch some netflix but no <laughs> just wants to chill out and watch some netflix baby <laughs> um also I love the fact that it paid tribute to all the spider memes of the uh, past. All the spider, especially the final, uh, the final thing after the credits. The final credit scene was the was fantastic because it was just goo. That's the thing about these movies is they're finally realizing that there's a goofy line they can walk, mm-hmm. and like. Some of them need to tread closer to one way. Some of them need to tread closer the other way. Like, I thought this film was going to be a lot goofier than it was. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I was no, like, no, man, no. Oh, man, that guy just got shot. That guy just oh. got shot in a kid's movie. <laughs> I heard the little kids, like, below just, that. Daddy, is he, is he going to get up? Oh, how do you explain that to a child? But, uh, yeah, that was a rough scene. That oh. was a rough watch. Uh, Especially when, because like most superhero movies have had a very black and white view of like morality, mm-hmm. but this one was the first one to be like, "This is a bad guy," but it's also your uncle. But also, your uncle's not a bad guy. He just wanted to make you feel like he was a superhero. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> that whole scene was just like destroying me from the inside. It's, like, out. it's fine. He's bad. Just think of him as the bad guy. Don't cry. Don't cry. Let me think of him as a bad guy, and that's it. it's like fucking um, shit. What's his name from Black Panther? Oh, uh, oh no! Why did you? It's Prince. Uh, no, no, no. no. You think you're talking about a uh, uh, 
Killmonger. You're talking about uh, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, well, Killmonger. Yeah, yes. Killmonger, yes. You got or it. Michael B. Jordan, if you'd like to use his Christian name. That's his Christian boy name. Um, yeah, the, like, he was probably the first time they were like, let's dip our toe into the whole morality thing. Oh, yeah, that movie still has me questioning shit. I don't really know how I feel about that. Because, like, I know it was a meme, but Killmonger was right, as evidenced by the fact that afterwards T'Challa's like, I need to change everything I've done. <laughs> I have fucked up a lot. He was so right, too bad he's dead. <laughs> probably should have kept him alive. Nah. Ah, it's fine. I'm the Black Panther. Oh, there can only be one. Actually, there can only be zero in a few months. Avengers Infinity War. But it's, hey, you never know. There's that one, it's that one four million something off, off whatever's. I can't think of what it's called. Realities. Brady, Brady, calm down. We're in the end game now. End game. Oh. (laughs) Well, that was actually good timing because that was the end of the first segment. (laughs) Yeah. Which means it's time, Brady, to talk about a little website I know and love because it gives me money called patreon.com slash a load of BS. What was that, that one more time? I believe it's patreon.com slash a load of BS. It's the website where you can go and support the BS boys. You can support the fun fiction crew, the fight boys. Everybody gets a little bit of support. Thanks to you over at patreon.com slash a load of BS. And, of course, you get access to our exclusive Discord where you can get hanging out. You can chat with us, help us decide stuff. If you write fan fiction, you can submit it to us over there, and it gives it a a better chance of us looking at it. And then, of course, ladies and gentlemen, you get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week. Like Joe Gennaro, the patron saint of fun fiction. So thank you to Joe, and if you'd like to join him, you can over at patreon.com slash load. Of B. S. And now, Brady, we've talked about the film. Which was great. And now it's time to get into some fan fiction. Which might not be so great. I'm, I, okay, as always, I did my customary reading the first few words and it seemed okay. Okay, so you... So mine might be fine. So you're literally reading a book by the cover, pretty much. I'm reading it by the first few words. I was like, huh. This grammar seems all right. (laughs) This grammar seems fine. Um, This is called Tired Dad Syndrome by Frost, And so it's about Peter Parker. I guess Peter B. Parker, who has now become Spider-Dad to the rest of the multiverse Spider-Men. Oh, my God. Also featuring another one of our favorite superheroes in another role. Okay, I'm I'm just going to sit and listen and let you take me on this magical journey that I can only assume is <laughs> dad syndrome, tired dad syndrome, that is. Yeah. Did you make the kids lunch? Wade asks, slapping Peter's ass as he walks by the counter. He's shirtless, as usual in the morning, now that Wade has been officially convinced that no one in the house was grossed out by his scarred skin. The man didn't talk about it often, but they all knew he had been self-conscious. So Peter actively made himself and the rest of the spiders help Wade feel more at ease around them. Peter rolls his eyes. They're not our kids, he says, but he lifts the brown paper bags onto the counter all the same. It wasn't that he was their dad or that Wade was their other dad. It's just that the other spiders often forgot about eating regular meals because they were young and headstrong and constantly challenging uh, challenging each other to catch more bad guys than the other. 
So this way, they remember to eat real food and not just swing through a McDonald's drive-thru, which they shouldn't be doing as spider people. Uh Uh-huh, whatever you say, daddy-o. Peter gives him a cold, blank stare and dares him to start that nonsense again. Wade decides he's going to live that morning, or at least get pancakes out of Peter, because he holds up his hands in mock defeat and pours them both glasses of orange juice. Oh, sweet! Bagged lunch! Thanks, Pops! Gwen cheers as she runs into the kitchen, snatching a bag for herself and one for Miles, who she would be meeting at his school. The lucky kid was still in his own universe, unlike all the spiders who'd been thrust out of theirs. It no doubt has has had his own lunch already prepared, but Peter knew he would appreciate not being left out. And Gwen always made sure he got the updates from the makeshift spider house. In the corner of the kitchen, Wade continues to fail at holding back his laughter as Peter stands defeated next to the rest of the lunch bags. Penny and Spider-Ham follow after, jumping up on the counter to grab their bags and thank Peter for looking after the family. Lastly, Noir slowly walks up to him, nods politely, and takes his own paper bag. Peter, stunned, blinks over at Wade, who finally breaks out into hysterical laughter. Not a damn word. They had a semblance of order at the spider house. Gwen and Miles taking the first shift after Miles got out from school so Gwen could spend the evening practicing and Miles wouldn't get home too late. This was followed by Penny and Ham before dinner, then Peter and Wade, or just Peter if Wade was busy, would take the evening, and lastly, Noir at night, after everyone had gone to bed. During the day, the task mostly fell on Peter's shoulders, though sometimes Ham would join him while the youngsters were at school. But Sunday afternoons had turned into board games and movies and pizza. The crime rate seemed to be lowest then, and no one was at school, so they pulled out various games, put on a fun action movie in the background, and ordered far too many pizzas. It feels like family night. Peter thinks fondly, nuzzling a little closer into Wade's side as he watches the kids laugh and joke. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, why didn't you warn me? We're getting on... Just board the ship! The captain's waiting! Uh, All right, keep going. It's fine. Even Noir's engaged, staring down at his cards in the board as if there was just one thing missing that would mean he'd win the entire game and he was dead set on finding it. Wade turns and presses a kiss onto Peter's temple. It's nice to have all the kids together, huh? It's not even your kids. Not my kids, Wade. Thank you. Aw, is he still bitter about that? Gwen chimes in, jumping over the back of the couch with another slice of pizza in her hands. Don't jump on the furniture, Peter chides. Sorry, Dad, Gwen says, and Peter thinks her fake apology needs a little bit more sarcasm in it. That dad felt too sincere. You know, my dad can be a little overbearing sometimes. I love him no matter what, but it's cool to have a chill dad that doesn't force me to say I love you back all the time, Miles says, stealing a bite from Gwen's pizza. Miles, I'm not your dad, Peter insists. Yeah, I know, but you got to admit, you're kind of like our collective spider dad. And Wade's the weird dude you're dating that we've all accepted as our eccentric stepdad. (laughs) Penny, Gwen, and Ham all murmur their agreements. Noir gives gives an affirmative grunt. Peter opens his mouth but closes it when no words would come out. Everyone was against him, or rather, with him, but in a way that Peter had no idea how to deal with. I'm going to patrol. But it's family, quiet family time. Don't. No one say the D word. Gwen grins, but she starts speaking before Peter can stop her. Whatever you say, Pops. Peter groans in frustration as he steps outside, closing the door to all the spiders laughing playfully at him. Oof, Wade! Peter exclaims, his back hitting the wall hard as Wade pins him down. Oh, well, you will not enjoy this next part, Brady. Oh, no. Why? Do you have earmuffs over here? (laughs) Peter exclaims, his back hitting. Wow, we had a no-smut rule a while ago, but now that Brenna's gone, I'm just getting into it. 
definitely agree with the no smut rule. Wade's lips are on his neck before he can get his bearings, and he hisses at the teeth nipping on his collarbone. Please, God, no. Jesus, Wade, give a guy some warning before you jump him. If, then it's not exactly jumping happen, him, is it? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> then it's not exactly jumping him, is it? Wade purrs, kissing his way up to Peter's oh, ear. God, no. I Okay, holy crap, Wade. We have to... Oh, come on, let's go to the bedroom. Wade shakes his head without moving away. His breath is warm on Peter's ear when he speaks. Scotty's nah, want to <laughs> take you right here. What has... Fuck, what has this wall in particular done to make you, make you want to fuck me on it? It looked at me funny, Wade answers. Right, sure, that makes total sense. Peter has to bite his lip to keep from moaning. Wade, we can't. Not here. The kids might walk in on us. The kids are at school, on patrol, or out causing trouble. They... Ah, shit. Slow down. They've been known to ditch school early for emergencies. Police scanner said nothing was going on. We're all good, baby. Peter tilts his head back, trying to get away from Wade's lips, but instead gives him more access to his neck. Dude, come on. Let's go upstairs. Dude isn't sexy, Wade chides. Neither is my kids walking in on us. The warmth of Wade's body and the intense press of his lips has gone so fast it almost gives Peter whiplash. Aha! When Peter opens his eyes, Wade is pointing his finger at him like he did when he figured out that Peter had been the murderer in their last game of Clue. What? What made you stop? One. Wade lifts off, lifts off on his fingers. You told me to. And two. You finally said my kids. Peter blinks, confused. I... What? No, I did not. You want me to screen cap that and read it back to you? Do I? What? No, wait, I, I didn't. Finally, he admits it. They're your kids, Pete. You said so yourself. Peter glares. He knows what he said, but he's not ready to admit that he thinks these thinks of these spiders as his new family. That Wade is part of his family and that somehow he feels responsible for all of them. So instead, he grabs Wade and pins him against the opposite wall. I'm giving you two seconds to get your ass up those stairs. Ew, gross, Dad. Public space. Miles groans, hands coming to cover his eyes as he walks in the front door. Gwen chuckles next to him and elbows him. Aw, oh, don't be mean, Pete. They're worked up. They just need to bone. Miles shudders, seemingly disgusted. Gwen, those are our dads. Ugh. I'm not your... Peter starts, but then he rolls his eyes. Whatever, go on out and patrol and give your dad some space, would you? Gwen gives them a two-finger salute and grabs Miles by his backpack to haul him back through the front door. You got it, Pops! And let the others not know not to come back to the house for a bit. So gross! Miles shouts back, but Gwen gives them a thumbs up before closing the door behind them. So, does that mean I can call you Daddy now? Wade asks, a sly grin on his face. Peter gives him a shove and glares at him. Don't you start. The end! Although there is more if you'd like me to read it, Brady. Please, God, no. <laughs> so, I mean, that's my story. You, you think you can top that, motherfucker? Nate. Nate, that is a 10 out of 10 most beautiful story ever most... told. Uh, how many parts does this story? How many if it's parts any, is... If it's anything like the Spider-Man fiction that I've I tried to find earlier, I should say, it's all either A... Sexual. B. Him shipped with Deadpool. Or C. Him shipped with like. Uh, at one point, it was Harry. Was one of them. Ah, uh, no, I could see that. That would work. That would actually work. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mad at the Spider-Man Deadpool 
shit. I'm not either, but they're two of my favorite superheroes. And like now I'm just imagining poor Tom Holland and that six foot giant <laughs> that is Ryan Reynolds. And it's not gonna end well in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um well would you like to bring yours to the table, my boy? Uh did you you have one, right? No 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 no. Uh, you have to have one. I come back come back to me, I can do better. Brady, you've been fired. I can't say I didn't expect this. You've been you you had one job, Tobias. That's not my name. What but job? Still not my name. But I will do better. Thank you for another wonderful adventure we got to go on seeing probably probably my film of the year for 2018. Like that was so good. Don't try to butter me up, Tobias. You know what you did. It's not my name, but I know I, I messed up, Daddy. Please no. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Also, Brady does actually have to go, so. Yeah. Yeah, we'll pick up a lady friend. It's gonna be just me. You're gonna deal with me for the rest of the episode. All right, well, now that I've scared Brady away, I guess this is the Scotty Show now. What's up? I guess it's like all the superhero ones, because Teen Titans Go was messed up. Um, I can't think of any other example. Oh, yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. We didn't talk about Homecoming. It's just the superhero ones. We can't get on track, man. I don't know what it is, but... um. Well, welcome back, and I guess it's a good thing Brady didn't have a fiction to read, a fanfic to read, because my fanfiction I've written this week is so long, my dudes, so um, we need to get into that, but before we do that, I'd like to tell you about merch.aloadofpurebs.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, merch.aloadofpurebs.com is the website where you can go and get all of your favorite fun fiction merch. We've got our new ugly Christmas sweater that you can get for the holiday season. It looks really freaking awesome. I just ordered one for me that should be coming in a few days. I'm going to wear it to work for Christmas. Uh, but yeah, you can get that. You can get the Gravity Falls fun fiction shirt. You can get a lot of really good stuff over at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. And before we get into my fiction, it is in the um, reinforcements universe, which of course has been built up to have me and Brenna as the Quaka and Red Lightning, and then of course Miles Morales, which is appropriate for this one, joining us as Spider-Man, and then of course our leader, Stan Lee, and of course, since the last time we've recorded, Stan has unfortunately passed, and so I wasn't really sure how to deal with that. I wasn't out of sure how to deal with it emotionally when it happened, but um, in the universe as well. So this is um, unfortunately the send off for Stan's character. He may come back in small cameos, which would be very appropriate for him, but otherwise, as far as the leader of the reinforcement goes. Uh, he will not be in the series as much anymore, just so I can, you know, let him be at rest. And then, of course, also this fiction and all of the MCU fictions I'm writing forth will be dedicated to the memory of Stan. Um, but let's get into the story after that huge bummer before it. Stan's gone. These words echoed throughout the chambers of the reinforcements base, also known as Scotty's apartment. The young girl stared at the two heroes in front of her, holding back tears. He hasn't been back in three days. So? 
He's been away from us a lot longer than that. Scotty comments, standing and walking towards her. I mean, it's usually weeks at a time, and then suddenly he just appears from some shadowy corner and gives us some knowing speech about heroism or something. He ain't gone. Maybe he's just finding someone else to join the team. I mean, no disrespect, but we're kind of looking sparse right now, guys. We're supposed to replace the Avengers, and yet there's only three of us. I mean, plus, we probably are going to need... A new guy in case Spider-Boy back here gets us sued for copyright infringement. Hey! Miles Morales comments as he jumps up from the couch and walks over to the two. He and Scotty have butted heads since he's joined, but he decides to focus on the quaka instead, wiping tears away from her eyes. Look, don't worry about it. He'll be back. Are you so sure about that? She asks as she rushes over to her computer. Scotty and Miles give chase as she suddenly pulls up numerous videos from the Chernobyl family farms, the local radioactive animal zoo. This was three days ago. Stan said he was going to investigate something strange going on at the farms. Stranger than a collection of multiple radioactive animals being contained in a single location in Alabama? Scotty comments with a raised eyebrow when Brenna quickly shushes him. The trio then lean in to see Stan appearing on the video, sneaking into a custodial building. Okay, big deal. Maybe there's a secret tunnel or something cool down there. He's just following a lead. Brenna shushes the man known as Red Lightning once again as the suited, as a suited man gives chase, slowly opening the door and pulling something from within his jacket. He slowly sneaks in after Stan and as our hero's eyes widen. Moments later, a bright flash appears in the door and just as quickly dies. The type of flash that would be created from the firing of a pistol. Each of our heroes' hearts fall into their stomachs as the man emerges a few minutes later, placing the item back into his pocket and wiping his clothes clean. With Stan, nowhere to be found. I've studied every hour of this cam since that moment, Brenna comments, looking back to the group. And he never comes out. He never comes back. Stan's gone, guys. He's gone. But, but how? Miles comments, walking back to a chair and falling back into it. He said he couldn't die. He said he was infinite. He can't just die. What better explanation do you have? Brenna fires back at Morales. Stan went down there, he got shot, and now we're alone. He wanted us to take up the place that the Avengers left, but how could we do that with no leader? We don't. Scotty finally replies after a pause. With a quick grunt, he rushes over to the closet and grabs his gear. He quickly changes as Miles and Brenna look at each other confused. What are you doing? Brenna asks with a raised eyebrow. I'm going to get Stan back. One hour later and our heroes arrive at the steps of the Chernobyl family farms. The guards were locking up the gates and our heroes were ready to break in. For Brenna and Scotty, breaking into CF was an easy task. Miles, well, Miles hadn't been back there since that radioactive spider bite changed his life so many months ago. Hey, so guys, I'm thinking about changing the whole Red Lightning name. Scotty comments as they sneak towards the custodial office. The other two attempt to hush him, but he keeps on speaking. I mean, I'm not really lightning-based, you know? I'm more animal-centric. Maybe beast. Fairly sure that one's taken, buddy. Miles comments as they finally reach the custodial office. Brenna quickly begins picking the lock as Scotty groans. What about the animal? He responds. That's a wrestler's name. The Transformer. That's a toy. I got it, I got it. Beast Boy. Okay, look, just try to stay in your own cinematic universe, man. Miles comments as the lock suddenly clicks open. Scotty grumbles as the trio slowly make their way into the office, which seems relatively pedestrian. 
A few mops decorate the walls, yellow hazmat suits against the wall, and sounds of static play from a radio nearby. Red lightning groans at the static and rushes over, attempting to readjust the tuning knob. Scotty, what are you doing? We're trying to find Stan. What? There's nothing wrong with trying to find some decent music to superhero out to. Suddenly, Scotty stops the knob at 104.5, and the building begins to shake. Scotty's two compatriots stare at him dumbfounded, when suddenly a panel in the back slides open to reveal a massive descending staircase. Scotty gives the rest of the reinforcements a subtle grin. Yeah, totally did that on purpose. As our heroes descend into darkness, Spider-Man quickly pulls out a flashlight, attempting to illuminate the way as the staircase grows darker and darker. Eventually, they reach the base of the stairs and the entrance to a massive cavern. They all stare up in awe as the massive cave that was not but a few dozen feet below the surface of Birmingham, Alabama. Miles nervously shines the light around, only to discover a massive circle made of assorted metal parts in the middle of the room. What the hell is this thing? Miles comments when suddenly all three heroes feel weakened. Scotty's body begins shifting from one animal to the next as Brenna can't seem to control her quokka powers. Miles just falls to the ground in pain. And that's when the heroes look up to see three massive radioactive tanks against the wall, each with wires going to that massive device in the center of the room. Well, guess we figured out why this place is so radioactive. Scotty, shifting from the shape of a rabbit to a shark, comments when suddenly they hear heavy breathing behind them. Each hero turns around to discover a man in a yellow hazmat suit. From within his dark visor, they suddenly hear laughing. Looks like this is going to be easier than I thought. He comments as he pulls out an item. The same item that our heroes had seen earlier that day on video. Despite our heroes' original thoughts, however, it wasn't a gun. It was a remote. The terrifying yellow figure quickly pulls the switch on the remote, and that massive mechanical ring begins to spin violently. Scotty attempts to rush the man to steal the remote away, but Scotty suddenly finds himself flung to the floor and being quickly pulled backwards. The man merely smirks and begins walking up the stairs as a massive gust of wind begins to pull all of our heroes towards that ring, which seemed to be reaching unfathomable speeds. A small pink burst of energy begins to appear in the center, growing larger and larger, and our heroes had no escape. Everything in the room seemed to be getting sucked into that last bit of energy, completely disappearing. The bright pink begins to swirl more and more and grow larger and larger. Brenna was the first to go. She clawed at the ground with the quokka talons that she had built into her suit, but the force was too strong, ripping her claws from the ground and sending her flying back into the portal. Scotty was the next to get pulled in. He attempted to take the form of an eagle in order to majestically soar away, but due to the recent glitches appearing in his powers, he swiftly shifted to the form of a pigeon and was quickly sucked in. And finally, there was Miles. He did everything he could to avoid the pull of that evil ring. He attempted to stick to the walls, but that wasn't worth much. His last-ditch effort was an attempt to shoot some webbing across the room, but the sheer force of the gravitational pull stopped the webbing from going more than a few feet, turning around and pulling Miles into the energy field. Miles thought he was dead. As he fell into the pink energy, the next thing he saw was darkness. But then sudden, violent outbursts of light would appear before his eyes, and Miles thought that it was his life flashing before his eyes, but no, it was too varied, too random. And ultimately, he got pulled back into the same empty blackness before a bright flash of light filled his retinas, and his hands, his hands, his body was burning. Was he in hell? 
Suddenly, the heroes feel sand kicked onto his body as he looks up to see a bright white sun appearing above his head. He looks over to discover Scotty and Brenna both standing in this expansive desert. Sweat has already begun to bead on their foreheads as Scotty quickly took the form of an armadillo to shield him against the sun's rays. Well, lucky for us, that thing was a portal and not some weird portal death machine, Brenna comments, wiping some sweat away onto her costume. Yeah, but where the hell are we? Scotty asks, his snout flipping up some sand. Well, we could always go ask them. Miles points at a massive city on the horizon, decorated with a massive sphinx at the front. A hefty walk and a few arguments about why Scotty wouldn't turn himself into a camel for them to ride later, and our heroes were in the city, which seemed to be booming. Numerous shops were selling technologies far superior to that of our heroes on Earth, and despite a scorching hot climate, the interior of each building seemed to be at the perfect temperature. What can I help you with today? A man asked our heroes as they approached his storefront. They looked at each other with a sigh, realizing that there were far too many things they needed help with, none of which this man could do. Have you seen this man? Brenna finally asks, holding up her phone, which featured a picture of her and Stan. The man smiles at the trio before looking up to a massive sand dune nearby. Atop it, there was a beautiful sandstone building with massive pillars. Ah, yeah, the one who came from the sky. He lives in Temple Sticks. The man smiles as he looks fondly on that temple on the hill. Can you take us to him? Oh, oh, no, no, no. Outsiders cannot enter Temple Sticks. Only a true hero can gain entry into its halls. But, but we are heroes, Miles comments before pulling his phone out and showing the man a YouTube video of someone recording their adventure fighting the scorpion. The man looks at the trio with a smile before quickly shutting the gates to his shop and rushing out to meet them. Then let's go to the temple. He smiles as he quickly leads them towards the dunes. What is this place, anyway? Scotty asks as the heroes continue to walk through the city. It was founded many years ago by a great man. He points up to a statue of a tall, slender man with a battle axe in one hand and a bottle of booze in the other. He sailed the oceans of this world before landing his hit ship here. He named the land Graticus after his forefathers. Wait, he landed his ship here? Miles asked with a raised eyebrow. Yes, this land was once surrounded on all sides by water, a paradise, but a great curse placed on one of our founder's descendants turned the water around us into sand. It made the sun burn hotter, but we Gradikins, we wouldn't leave. That's our home. So instead, we began to innovate. Great leaps in technology helped us cool our buildings rapidly, keep our food chilled. That woman thought she was cursing us, but she only made us stronger. Why did she curse him? Brenna finally asks. She knew the founder. She knew the type of hero he was. And she wanted us to be led by a man like him. But all of his descendants, they seemed to have lost that edge and became cowards. She came to our king to, for help and he denied her, afraid for his own safety. So then she placed a curse on this land, forcing us to live in pain until a worthy king stepped forward. Stop! A man called, running down the dune towards the heroes. You're not to trespass on the territory of Temple Sticks. The gods need their rest. Gods? Miles asks with a raised eyebrow as the man slowly approaches them. He was a tall man with a thin frame, long blonde hair flowing down his back. Yes, gods. You are not to disturb them. But, King Magnus... These men, these men are heroes. They must speak with one of the members of Temple Sticks immediately. The shopkeep responds, but is quickly stopped by the man with the blonde hair. 
I don't care who they are. They are not to enter Temple Sticks. Wait a minute. You're the king? Scotty comments with a small laugh. No wonder this place is still a desert. What's that supposed to mean, peasant? He responds when suddenly Scotty transforms into a massive scorpion, causing the king to yelp and jump back in fear. Oh, no- nothing, nothing. Scotty laughs, returning to his normal form. I'm just saying, you have a friend of ours up there, and we want him back. Oh, really? Well, maybe we can work out some sort of an arrangement. He smirks as he leads the heroes to his palace. Moments later, the heroes find themselves sat on a beautiful luxury couch as the king stares them down, a massive warhammer sitting by his feet. You say you're heroes, correct? Indeed we are. Scotty comments with bravado as the other two groan. Well, seems we've got a perfect relationship brewing then. Because you need to get in the temple, and I need a hero. He stands and slowly peeks out of his window, nervously looking on the horizon. You've heard the story of the witch that cursed this land, yes? Turned the water into sand and made my people... miserable? The heroes nod in response. Well, just because it's sand does not mean the beasts of the deep are not still there. The heroes slowly approach the window to see a massive beast come crawling out from the sand, crying to the skies. Our heroes look at each other wide-eyed as as its tentacles begin digging through the ground before emerging in the city and destroying buildings and grabbing livestock to consume. The king sighs as he takes a seat. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's do this! Scotty claps his hands and puts a hand on the warhammer, preparing to strut outside, but suddenly Scotty finds himself stopped. The hammer will not budge. He tries to pry it from the ground, even turning into a massive gorilla, but nothing will force the warhammer to move. Magnus merely laughs at this. That hammer can only be wielded by a true descendant of the original king, he remarks smugly. Well then pick it up and let's go fight. It looks just about right for bashing in a leviathan skull. Scotty smirks when the mayor suddenly shrinks back into his seat. No, I asked you to go, not me. You're the king. Ain't it your job to defend people? Miles asks with a raised eyebrow as Scotty groans and already begins his exit. No, I'm their king. It's their job to defend me. Whew, that's a whole can of worms right there, buddy. Brenna responds before joining her fellow heroes and rushing out into the street. The Leviathan seemed to be pulling itself closer and closer as the heroes prepare for battle. Spidey practices webbing together tentacles on a nearby plant as Brenna sharpens her claws. Meanwhile, Scotty merely turns into a massive rhino and begins to charge the thing. He's not one for tact, is he? Miles asks as Brenna sighs and shakes her head. Miles shrugs his shoulders and quickly shoots a web and leaps into battle against the beast. Scotty's initial strike with his horn seems to bloody him, but due to his body being submerged in sand, the leviathan doesn't budge. It attempts to strike at the rhino with a tentacle, but suddenly finds that tentacle stuck to the ground as Miles quickly shoots into action. Hey, Ursula! Miles calls out as he suddenly shoots a web against a few more tentacles, spinning around in an attempt to wrap up the leviathan. It roars in response and attempts to snatch Spidey out of the air when suddenly... Um, excuse me? Brenna calls out, and when the Leviathan looks down, he discovers two wide eyes and a big smile looking back at him. Brenna has seemed to effectively charm the beast, who smiles at her and holds out a tentacle that she gives a firm handshake to. Well, it's nice to meet you, too. Have you met my friend? 
the Leviathan's eye ridge raises in confusion when suddenly Scotty rushes in, taking the form of a brown bear that quickly tackles into its stomach and begins ripping at its flesh, causing it to audibly roar. Meanwhile, the king arrives back in his chambers, peeking out his window while still trying to remain shielded. After discovering the reinforcements doing their job, he sighs and sits at his desk, staring over at the Warhammer, dust collecting around it from years of staying in one place. He thought about his great ancestor wielding it in battle, the bravery that man must have had to save the world, the bravery that's left his family ever since. I think I got him, guys! Miles calls out as the heroes look up to discover several of the beast's tentacles tightly wrapped around its body from webbing. He whips back down beside his compatriots as Scotty smirks and decides to finish this battle once and for all. He turns into a massive squid and wraps himself around the leviathan, using a few tentacles to attempt to choke the life out of the beast when suddenly a massive roar erupts from its mouth. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Brenner remarks when the beast breaks its bonds and sends Scotty flying back against the hot desert sand, causing his squid body to begin writhing in pain and flopping about. Scotty! Brenna calls when she's suddenly snatched up by the beast, holding her, holding her tight in his grip. She attempts to pull another cute face, but the beast continues to squeeze tighter, choking the life out of her. Meanwhile, Scotty is reverted to his human form, but the damage of that hot sun against his body had done enough. He lay weakened and proned against the desert floor as Miles attempts to tie up the squid once again, only to be snatched out of midair. The Leviathan roars in joy as he continues to squeeze the life out of his enemies as Scotty watches on in pain when suddenly... The sky grows dark, and for the first time in years, rain begins to pour across the desert of Gradicus. The Leviathan roars in response, but the sky responds with an even louder roar, the roar of thunder, as a giant crack of lightning shoots across the sky as the heroes look towards the town to see the king of Gradicus, Magnus, wielding his great-grandfather's warhammer, electricity shooting up his arms. He looks terrified, but he also looks ready to fight. I hope you know how to use that thing. Scotty calls out in pain as the king smirks and rushes towards the leviathan, who quickly tosses Spidey and the quaka to the side. The beast tries a hefty strike, which is quickly dodged as the king brings down the warhammer on one of the beast's tentacles, severing it entirely from its body. The beast rears back in pain, the first real blow dealt to it from the battle. The king, summoning up, summoning up the courage of his ancestor, continued to do battle with the beast until a quick blow knocks him to the ground and the warhammer directly out of his hand. The beast smirks, attempting to smash him with a massive tentacle, when suddenly the quaka roars into action, leaping onto that tentacle and gnashing away at it with her claws. The beast pulls back and attempts to fling her off, but Brenna holds on tight. Suddenly from the other side, Scotty attempts a few big blows with gorilla fists, but unbeknownst to him, the beast had two more tentacles coming straight for his skull, when suddenly... Twip! Miles manages to save him at the last minute, pulling the man away from the death blow that was sure to come for him. Scotty stares up at Morales, and the two share a moment of mutual respect when they look back at the Leviathan who has nearly managed to pry Brenna off of its appendage. We got this. Scotty comments with a grin as he quickly grabs two of the Leviathan's tentacles and begins to pull them away. Miles takes point on the other side and webs up a few appendages of his own. Eventually, all three heroes have the Leviathan being pulled in three different directions, but the beast was strong, pulling against them. Magnus, get up! Brenna cries. You can do this! The truth is, the king was able to get up minutes ago. But he was so afraid. He was so afraid of what would happen if he did stand back up. 
But as he stared up at those three heroes that were trying so hard to save his town, save his kingdom, he knew it didn't matter if he was afraid. He knew he had to live up to the courage of his ancestors. Lightning flashes in his eyes as he stands, placing a hand on that warhammer as the Leviathan continues to struggle against the might of the heroes. For Greaticus, Magnus calls as he rushes forward and delivers a devastating blow to the cranium of the beast, bashing in its skull as it collapses to the ground. The rest of the heroes sigh as they feel the tension against them release, falling to the ground. Each of them breathe heavily as Magnus watch, walks over to each of them and offers them a hand. Thank you. The king comments to the three as they slowly walk back into town, the Leviathan laying defeated behind them. Each of the townsfolk slowly emerge from their homes as the king stands in the center of town, proud of himself for once in his life. Ladies and gentlemen of Greaticus, the Leviathan is dead. And with that, he struck the warhammer against the ground, and suddenly, a massive shower of rain falls from the sky as the sand around the town suddenly reverts to a beautiful blue ocean. The townsfolk celebrate and dance in the rain as Magnus is celebrated as a hero for once in his life, while the rest of the reinforcements smile at a job well done. Hey, uh, Magnus, Scotty remarks as the celebrations begin to wind down. You know, we, uh... We took care of that whole Leviathan problem you were having, but, uh, don't you owe us a little something? Magnus merely smirks in response, and a few minutes later, our heroes find themselves on the steps of the Temple Sticks. Magnus flings the door open with a smile, and an older gentleman with long, graying hair rushes up to him, happy. I see someone finally got the balls to protect this town, he comments to Magnus as he ruffles his hair. The king holds back a smile as he throws the warhammer over his shoulder. Meanwhile, the heroes look over to see a gentleman with a beautiful gray mustache cheating at cards against a few opponents. He looks up to the heroes with a massive smile as he approaches. Stan! Brenna calls as she rushes over to him and embraces him in a massive hug. Miles follows suit, and Scotty merely just offers him a handshake. We gotta get you back home. I, I don't know what that guy's doing with that portal, but we gotta find a way to stop him. No. You have to find a way to stop him. Stan responds with a smile as the rest of the reinforcements stare at their leader, dumbfounded. What? What do you mean? Miles responds, approaching Stan. You're our leader. We need you. Ah, uh, you don't need anyone except yourselves. This old coot would just slow you down. But we need someone. We need a leader. Brenna protests once again, but Stan smiles and points a finger behind them. They turn to see Magnus standing there, proudly ho holding his warhammer. So you're telling me there's a world that needs protecting? Magnus smiles as the rest of the heroes look on in awe. With the exception of Scotty, of course, who groaned at the fact that no one thought to appoint him as leader. I certainly got a rush out of that saving the world business. Uh, wouldn't be bad to do that a few more times, huh? But how are we going to get home? Miles comments when suddenly the older man rushes over to the four heroes with a smile. I think I've got a friend that can help with that. And a few moments later, the heroes find themselves standing in front of a massive portal back to their home world. Are you sure about this? Leaving your kingdom? Brenna asks nervously as she looks down upon Greaticus. My people are strong. They can handle themselves. Magnus responds with a smile as he rushes through the portal with a loud, Woo! Scotty raises an eyebrow as the other two follow suit. He looks back at Stan reluctantly, and before he enters that portal, he turns and rushes the man and gives him a massive hug. Thank you for everything. Scotty comments as tears play at the edge of his eyes. 
I... I didn't think I could be a hero, but... You showed me that I can save the world. Anyone can save the world, hero. You just have to try. He responds with a smirk as Scotty gives him one more massive hug. Okay, all right, all right, enough already. Don't you got work to do? And with that, Scotty disappeared into the portal as the founder of Graticus walked over to stand, placing a hand on his shoulder. So, you really think they can do it without you? He asks as Stan smirks, pulling out a deck of cards. I know they can. You see, I wasn't born with any superpowers. I didn't have any skills, any abilities. I just saw that the world needed heroes. And I gave them that. Excelsior. The end. For now. And with that, I see we've got a new hero joining the reinforcements in the form of Magnus, which anyone out there who has read my book, Quizzle Corp, will know to be a descendant of Brady from that story. So I thought that would have been nice, you know, Brady connecting with... Yeah, it's all right. You guys understand. Um, so, yeah, you guys need... This also was a bit of a crossover from uh, Quizzle Corp because, of course, Graticus is a town in Quizzle Corp and... Um, the portal at the end it's a, it's you need to read the book anyways um but yes that's the fan fiction i literally almost full-on ugly cried when i was reading the ending because jesus christ stan was an incredible human being and that killed me when that happened um but until next time, ladies and gentlemen, of course, remember to uh, find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Follow Brady on Twitch under Graticus. He streams every once in a while, so make sure to check him out for that, ladies and gentlemen. And then, of course, make sure to buy all my books on Amazon, the Quiesel Corp trilogy like I told you about, BS versus the Gods, or you can go to audibletrial.com slash BS Network. It'll get you a free 30-day trial of Audible, and you'll get a free copy of any of my audiobooks, so you can get that there. If you liked the story today and you liked how it was read, that's basically... It was all kind of written like how I wrote Quiesel Corp, so the audiobook will be very much like what I read tonight. So, audibletrial.com slash Network. if you want that free shiz. It supports us. You get something for free. It's win-win. But if you want to support us elsewhere, you can on Patreon, like good old Joe Gennaro, or by picking up some merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. So check that out. Check out all the other shows at aloadofpurebs.com. Come, ladies and gentlemen, and of course, remember to rate, comment, subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes. We really need a lot of reviews in the beginning, even though it's now like halfway through the year, but it still feels like this is a young podcast, which is really weird to me. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, stay away from... <laughs> Sorry, whoa, that was weird. I forgot, I forgot, it's Marvel. That means there must, there must be some sort of... After credits scene? Well, let's find out what happens. Well, let's find out what happens. The crackling of radioactivity echoes across the room as the man in the hazmat suit slowly approaches the portal. He pulls out the remote and his thumb plays at the trigger as his breath seems to quicken. He gets down on both knees as he flips the switch. And suddenly the portal opens and from within a massive voice booms out. Are they gone? Miss calls out, causing the man to shiver in his suit. Y y y yes, sir. 
All the heroes are dead. Good. And what now, sir? His voice shakes when suddenly the portal gets larger and an army of terrifying creatures come pouring out, sporting horrifying gnashing teeth, elongated skulls. Green cracks appear in their skin that seem to ooze acid. Laughter comes from within that portal as the voice once again booms. It's my turn. 